0: Amen. Amen. And we're going to go to Exodus this morning, the book of Exodus, and I made sure to give them the right scripture this morning. Oh, thank you, Brittany, because we got a little off the rails last week real quick. Um, Brittany's like, yes, we did. You need to rein it down. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you were with us, um, I gave them the wrong scripture and y'all got too excited about not having to put up chairs and all the things. We do have to put up chairs today, so I don't want to hear any griping, you know, after last week's celebrating. If you weren't with us, um, we were talking every Sunday after worship, we stack up our chairs to help our maintenance crew. And um, we're not—Bruce uh, says—but we're not the most verbal of congregations during the sermon. But you would have thought tongues of fire were coming down when I said we didn't have to put up chairs. I just couldn't believe it. All right, we got real charismatic real quick. Um, before we get started, I just—real quick—I um, this is going to be so embarrassed. Jan, welcome back. Jan Bailey just walked the Camino de Santiago for the past five weeks. She walked 500 miles spending time with the Lord. It's so incredible. I hope that you go spend some time talking to her about it. I've not seen a happier person probably in the past year than John Bailey right now, having his wife back home. So Jan, welcome back. What an incredible pilgrimage. I cannot wait to hear all about it. I figured you'd be asleep, but here you are in worship this morning, so thank you for being here. Exodus 31, 12 through 18. All right, here we go. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from the people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. That's intense. I'm just saying. The Israelites are are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. We are concluding our series this morning that we've uh, journeyed through the past four weeks on a rhythm. Um, We we talked about in our first week that we all look for balance in life, but that's not a real thing. Um, Because as soon as you put your efforts in one area, you have to then redirect them to another area. It's like spinning plates, trying to keep them all up there balanced, and one falls when you put attention to the other. So balance in life might not be real, but there is a rhythm. There are rhythms in life. There are times in which we have to focus a little bit harder on certain areas, and that's okay. The time of the year The season of life, where our children might be, where we might be with our families. There are times in which we give more attention to others, but we never want to completely ignore the other areas of life. And so we find a rhythm. The first week we talked about faith, how that is the, the cornerstone of our rhythm. And with our faith, it's okay to ask questions. Faith is more akin to trust rather than belief. Michael preached on family and how we incorporate and make sure we family is one of the most important parts of our rhythm of our everyday life and that as a healthy family we can confess to one another we can be honest with one another last week we talked about where does work fit into that rhythm we asked what is it that you do and why is it something you're proud of is it something that God is proud of are you thankful for the way in which you spend your waking hours and it's been fun to journey through this together And today will be our last day because next week we're starting our new series called Our Disciples Path. I hope if you're not in a Sunday school or a small group, you'll join us. Renee Phillips will be teaching the Sunday school at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. I'll be teaching a six-week study. It's only six weeks. It's in McDavid Library from 5 to 6.30. The workbooks are available for purchase out in McGowan Hall. We even now, we're in the 21st century. We take credit cards. Come on now. We're gonna have it at the pumpkin patch too. So Brooks, you don't have to boycott the pumpkin patch. All right? But this morning... We're going to talk about something for which we are all on a pretty wide spectrum. Something some of us are good at incorporating into our lives, but I think most of us are completely unfamiliar with the concept. Of course, I'm talking about rest. Faith, family, work, and rest give us a healthy rhythm. And though there is a spectrum on which we all exist, I think most Americans, most of us in this room... For us, rest is that elusive experience that we will all experience someday. And so this morning, if you'll allow me, I'd like to preach from the subject. And I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. We pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You know, at times, it can be a little intimidating to be the pastor at Dauphin Way United Methodist Church. I find myself surrounded by awe-inspiring people. I, I look around and I see people that are high-performing, high-functioning individuals. And as we discussed at vision team meetings last year, this is a church that does things with excellence, When we try to put together a program or ministry, we want to make sure it is the best that it can be. So from time to time, I wonder, am I measuring up to the expectations and to the capabilities of those with whom I serve, of you all? Because you all are pretty awesome people. You you do a lot of things. I mean, I think about our personal trainers. I think about our teachers, our small business owners. Those of you who are in the service industry, those of you who are in the military service, those of you who have multiple jobs, I I look out and I look at this congregation and I think, am I living into those expectations they have for me? Because I get into that sinful trap of comparing myself to others. It is not healthy. It is not helpful for our rhythm, but let's be honest, I'm a human. And sometimes I think, "Am, am I measuring up to the people with whom I'm spending my life. And when I say it it's, can be intimidating to look across this congregation, I'm not referring to any sort of professional or personal success that you have gained or achieved. I feel perfectly content with my life's trajectory. I love my job. I love my family. I love my lot in life. Neither do I mean that I'm intimidated by some um, level of you know, social status or income or salary that you might have accrued. As my girl Shania Twain said, that don't impress me much. <laughs> I forgot how many hits Shania had. I put it on that Spotify this morning because I knew that joke was in my sermon. And was play- Brianna was like, that's why we were listening to Shania Twain. Yeah. Um, but but I'm, I didn't get into this business to be rich. And I'm not... I've never really been overly concerned with social status. If so, I'd probably wear my bow ties more often. Now, when I say that it is at times intimidating, just a little bit, and at times I wonder, am I measuring up? It's because I'm impressed by the amount of things that people in our church, your ability to fit so many activities, events, and schedules into one trip around the sun as we think about um, how much we have to do each day, each week, each month, each month, each year, I I am amazed at what all goes into your lives. I talked to somebody the other day on a Saturday morning at a birthday party. And it was, you know, it was the first birthday, birthday party we went to that day, the only one we were going to. And I talked to somebody, yeah, we have three of these today before noon. Have you been there? Have you had three birthday parties before noon yet? I was talking to somebody, there's a person in our congregation who is the chairperson of multiple boards while also having a full-time job having a family for whom they care and additional volunteer responsibilities. I swear, some of the people in our church are like seniors in high school, even though they're 40. They're still padding their resumes to get into some Ivy League college. How many things can I make sure to fit in there? I'm impressed by that. It's amazing how much you're able to do. I mean, I was talking with someone who who went to the Auburn game yesterday and is in church this morning. There's a lot of people, actually, there's people who went to Tuscaloosa yesterday and made it here, too. But that's on top of having full-time job, family responsibilities, extracurricular civic engagements. You're able to make it back and forth. I was tired just watching the Auburn game on my TV last night. i went to bed at 10 o'clock. Y'all didn't get back till, like, 2. Maybe it's work ethic or time management or your supernatural ability to slow down the course of time. But, but over the past two and a half years, I've just been impressed by how much almost everyone in this church does in a given week. But as I was reflecting on these things and wondering about my how I spend my time, I realized recently that as a congregation, we are good at commitments we have to fulfill. We are successful professionals, many of us. We, we have families we take care of all the time we are pouring out into our communities but one thing I think as a group we are severely lacking that I noticed that we as the people of Dauphin Way need to think about more is when do we rest and I hear some mm, I look at some head nods because as a pastor, we're supposed to discern the, the place in which we find our congregations. Where are we? Well, we are in the beginning of October, <laughs> just about in a couple of days. We are in peak mode of doing all the things all the time, which means we are at peak time of never resting. And, and you know, one day, maybe you're there already, most of us in this church are will or have burnt out. Maybe you burnt out from your work because you've been going it all the time, going it all times of the day and night. Maybe you burned out from commitments at church because you volunteered so many years at so many different ministries. Maybe you're burned out from all these different volunteer things you've done in the community. I can't serve on another board. I cannot give to another, my time to another organization. You've been going at both ends and perhaps that's where you are this morning or maybe you're an inch from being there. Maybe you've been there for a long time and just haven't been able to admit it. If we go on at this rate as a people, not tending, tending to the need to rest, at some point you will burn out. That's just, it's just how it works. We are not wired to go nonstop all the time. As we'll talk about in a minute, even Jesus wasn't. Do you think you're better than Jesus? Because even that man needed to rest. I think this is the main reason why our second smallest demographic in our church are recently empty nesters. If you are recently empty nester, kudos for you for being here this morning. Where are your friends? Because most people, after they get it, have, are in an empty nest phase, they've given all these years to serving with their children in children's ministry, youth and youth ministry, playing in the band, serving in the back, going on mission trips. Like, I've done my time. It's time to peace out. I've just had enough. I can't do it anymore. I pray that you don't get to that point if you're not there yet. And if you are there or were there, can you please pour into those who are feeling that way? Because when we think about rest this morning, many of us are looking for solutions. Where does it come from? How do we find it? I need that in my life. And so for a word of hope and, and as a chance to try to get off this endless hamster wheel, it is natural for us as Christians to turn to the scripture. It's natural for us to want to look to the Bible. We as people of the word want to hear from this God-given text, verses of hope and instruction God gives this to his people. And so that's why we read what we did this morning as a text about Sabbath, this idea, this concept of setting aside a day from the Lord. But you know, I've always found it fascinating how we as Christians and various Christian groups consider the Old Testament and the way we treat the Old Testament. And not just groups of Christians, but I think even within this room, there is a difference between how we all as individuals deal with the Old Testament. How do we internalize it, contextualize it, incorporate it into our lives? And although this morning will not be a full exploration on how we understand the Old Testament in light of the new, we're not going into some deep seminar lecture about the Bible in particularities. I just think it's interesting how we read this Old Testament in light of being Christians because this Sabbath practice is one of the most Jewish of practices. Yet I often hear we Christians talk about it a lot, like we need more of it in our lives. And I wonder if we know what we mean when we say that. Here in Exodus, we have this command from God that we just read. He says, you must observe my Sabbaths. There's a plural, by the way, Sabbaths. This is a reiteration of one of the 10 commandments, honor the Lord's day and keep it holy, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But we have a little more elaboration here. God says to Moses in this text, the Sabbath will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. And he says this, he says, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. All right, so here's the first part I find fascinating. I often hear Christians say we should observe Sabbath and that we should incorporate Sabbath into our lives. But when we talk about Sabbath, it does not seem to have the weight that this command from Exodus does, does it not? I hear people say all the time, well, we need more Sabbath. But I don't hear many people say, but if you don't have Sabbath, the church gets to kill you. Or that if you do any work on this day of Sabbath, we get to excommunicate you. You are cut off. I'm not allowed to talk to you anymore if you do not honor the Lord's day and keep it holy. According to the entirety of the Old Testament, there is a lot that goes into observing the Sabbath. There are 613 mitzvahs in the Old Testament. Those are laws in addition to the 10 commandments. And a lot of those have to do with keeping or observing Sabbath. And so if we're gonna be real biblical about this, If you're being, if you're truly observing the Sabbath, then you have to abstain from writing, erasing, and tearing things, from business transactions, from driving or riding in cars or other vehicles. That's more of an interpretation of modern Judaism. There were no cars in ancient Israel, as far as we know. There is no shopping. There is no turning off or on anything. There's no cooking, baking, or kindling a fire. There's no gardening or grass mowing, or doing laundry, which to me, that part seems kind of obvious. Don't do laundry on the Sabbath because that's a really hard chore, and that's why I'm thankful for my wife who takes good care of me. If you were to actually observe the Sabbath, then for most of us this, this, you know, who are Christians, if we were to actually observe the Sabbath as in the Sunday, you couldn't be here. You couldn't even turn on the live stream to be able to watch this, all right? And, and this prohibition includes carrying anything more than four cubits or six feet. This prohibition includes carrying anything in one's pocket, carrying anything in, the, in their hand, wheeling a baby carriage or a shopping cart, or going outside with food in the mouth. So how good are you at observing the Sabbath? Our scripture lesson from Exodus goes on to say, God says, for six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath is to be put to death. So it repeats, and the selection ends this way. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come. It will be a sign. The reason why they celebrate Sabbath is because it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. On the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So now that we know what all has gone into Sabbath, what goes into Sabbath in the Old Testament, what do we mean when we say that? because the New Testament doesn't talk about Sabbath very much. And most of us are not keeping the majority of the laws, of the Old Testament. So what do we mean when we say, well, my family needs Sabbath or we want more Sabbath in our life? I in no way fault you for saying that or for not knowing what the rules are or for honoring that because I do think that we're all on the right path when we say that. But it can be hard to figure out what are the particularities, what is the way in which, what are the practical steps for experiencing now what rest in the Lord is supposed to be? Because I think that's what we mean. I think whenever we say Sabbath in our life, we're talking less about an appreciation of just the, the Lord's deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt or a recognition that God created in six days, on the seventh, he rested. Um, because many of us work Monday through Friday and we kind of take some rest on Saturday and Sunday. Some of us have weird schedules and so we rest in the evening or we rest in the morning. And, it's, and in this 21st century world, none of us are on the same exact schedule each day. And so when we say Sabbath, maybe it's a little less general and a little more particular because I think when we say this, we're saying we, we believe Our experience of God has led us to understand that God does not want us to run ourselves ragged, but to be people who have good rhythms and healthy lives. God doesn't want us to not be able to participate in the community because we're just so tired. That as a people we know God through the person of Jesus, we have come to realize that there's a healthier way to be in this world To honor our time and our families and ourselves as opposed to just going from birthday party to board meeting to ball game to work and then all over again. And so as I was originally trying to put this text together or this sermon together, I thought, well, I'll organize this around what does rest mean and how do we find it? But I found that kind of hard because as I said, rest doesn't mean the same thing for all of us. It is not as specific as it might have been in the Old Testament because we live in a much more um, pluralistic society and a society that has people doing lots of different types of jobs, different types of schedules. I don't think that we can just say rest is this thing for you if you do this because it might not be the same for me as it is for you. You can't just say it's not when you work because there's plenty of things you do outside of your work that aren't restful, right? Paying bills, doing chores, driving in mobile traffic. You can't just say it's when you're by yourself because I'm an extrovert. I I find rest just like actually being with people, sitting around when I'm with Brianna and August or friends. Like I find rest in actually being around people. And so as I thought, how how do we say these things? I I remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11. As Christians, we, we, we don't just live according to the law. We live according to Christ. And Jesus in Matthew 11 said something that I think we can all center around and then contextualize for our own lives. He says, Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If there's anything that I think I could say about rest that would help all of us, Is that rest is the place in which we find ourselves closest with Christ. What are the things in your life in which you experience the peace of God? How is your communion with the Lord incorporated into your ways of doing anything or everything that brings you a sense of peace and rest? Because when we incorporate into our lives... This sense of peace, when we draw close to Christ, therein we find true rest. And it might look different at different times of our lives. It might look different at different parts of the week. But it is the ways in which we draw close to Christ, and that might be through time with family. I think some of the ways in which I find myself closer to Christ is when I'm caring for my child. That's the way in which Christ cares for us unencumbered by pressures to get here or there if it's just the three of us hanging out to me that is very restful and i know that god is in that place i find rest here on sunday mornings even though this is my job and i find more rest whenever i'm not in charge of anything when i'm sitting here and this band is just leading us in worship i can sit in that front row and just put up my hands and just not have any responsibilities for about 15 minutes there's some deep rest as i am with the people of the lord Yes, serving Christ can be exhausting. There are some things we volunteer, and that's, I'm not just saying if you follow Jesus, it's all gonna be easy all the time. But what are the things in your life that you do that draw you close to Christ? The things that you experience that you know help you understand more about who God is? Is it time in the Word each day? Is it making sure to be at worship each week? Is it prayers throughout your day? Those are our spiritual disciplines and in those who find rest. But maybe it's walking 500 miles from France to Spain. I don't know how restful that would be. It feels exhausting, but it also sounds like it could be wonderful. Maybe it's going for a run in the morning. Again, I don't know how that's restful, but for you it might be. I don't know what specifically it is for you, but when you spend time with the Lord and when you do things that draw you close to Christ, Therein you find true rest, that rest that recharges. It's not just about sitting in front of the TV and not doing anything. So as we conclude this morning, as we get ready to receive from the table, I want to ask you three questions, just three things to consider to take with you. The first is, what are you doing every day that draws you closer to Christ? Just something. Is it a devotional Is it a prayer? Is it going on a run? Is it sitting in a hot sauna and meditating? What are you doing that draws you closer to Christ every day? What are you doing every week is my second question. Are you making sure that if we're not in worship, we're gonna do something else? How are you setting aside time for your family to be just your family? What are you doing each week that is more than just 30 minutes in the morning or just 30 minutes in the evening? What are you doing each week that is a block of time dedicated for caring for your soul and drawing close to Christ? And then what are you doing a few times each year? What semi-regular habits, activities, events have you set aside to say, this is time that I'm going to draw close to Christ and rest? Maybe it's family camp. We have built one in for you. It is an awesome time of rest. No pressure. You're at Blue Lakes. There's no cell service. I mean, we all get to be together and just hear the word of the Lord being present among us and then experiencing Christian fellowship. Are you taking, if you can, a day or two or three off work and just pretending to be out of town or actually going out of town? Are you retreating? Are you doing something semi-regular to care for yourself? You know how many vacation days we all leave on the table? Why are you doing that? whenever you're exhausted and in need of rest. So I've gone on for a little bit longer than i planned planted to this morning, but I just believe that this is such an incredible group of people. I'm grateful to spend my life with such an incredible group of people, but I'm worried about your well-being. I'm worried about how long you're gonna last going at this pace. If you continue at this clip, you're gonna burn out. It's almost cliche at this point. And so I pray, and my prayer for you and for me and for all of us, is that we will be a church that says, what is something I can do every day, every week, and a few times each year to draw close to Christ and therein find peace and experience true rest? And that is the anchor for our rhythm. There is no rhythm if we don't have the energy to do it. There's no rhythm in life if we're too tired or burnt out to invest in our faith and our family and in our work. So may we be a church that says, Christ, let me draw near to you and find that peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We